How are we doing? It's good to see you. Good, good to hear. So I just want to say good morning. It's an honor to be with you this morning and to have a chance to open up the Bible and focus on God's Word with you today. If you don't know me, welcome. Here we are. This is me. My name is Josh. Um, I am the youth director here at Rock Hill. I work with our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. I've been at Rock Hill for over three years, which is crazy. It's amazing. I, I've loved it so much. That, that's a long time. Um, and it's just been an incredible blessing. With COVID in there, it's a very long time, right? But it's just been a blessing to serve you guys and your amazing students. And I'm excited to continue doing that with you um, this morning. And also, if you're watching online, this is for you too. I'm glad that you're here. Welcome. So our series this summer, we've been going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we've been focusing on holiness and hope. And today we're going to continue that. And we're going to look at a very important and powerful kind of a hinge passage, right? A hinge kind of connects something, right? It connects this whole thing together through a prayer that Paul has for the people in Thessalonica. Paul is going to tell them something extremely important in this passage. He's actually going to tell them that they are lacking something. And I can't wait to tell you what that is. But one theme that has come up over and over throughout this series is Paul's love for the Thessalonians. So I want you, here's an experiment, okay? Think of your favorite food, right? I think of super spicy buffalo wings, right? You got that? Think about it. So Paul loves the Thessalonians more than you love your favorite food. His love that he had for them was so fierce. It was this deep love where Paul was constantly praying, lifting them up in prayer, sending them letters, sending specific people to them to encourage them and guide them as they were starting this new church as new followers of Jesus. And the letter that we're reading today and the things that he says in this prayer to them really cements and shows us the love that he has for them. So as we dive into our passage and we look at the things that God has for each and every one of us this morning, I wanted to just give you a quick snapshot of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about preparing for Jesus through love, holiness, and then hope. Love, holiness, hope are our three big ideas this morning. Now we're going to read it together. Um, I'm going to pray first, and then we're going to read this passage together, and then we're going to break it down verse by verse. So let me open us up in prayer, and then we'll look at the Word of God. Dear God, thank you for bringing us here this morning. L Lord, thank you for your love for us. God, that it is a privilege that we are able to worship you, that we are able to speak to you, that we are able to be in relationship with you. God, I just pray as we look at love that you will help us to love more. As we look at holiness, that you would help us to be holy. And as we look at hope, that you would help us to hope in you and your plan, and your gospel. So thank you for everyone here, God. I pray that you would speak to them through your spirit, God, and that your word would be clear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, so our passage for this morning is 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13. We're going to read this together, and then we'll get more into the nitty-gritty. So let's go. Uh, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus and all of his saints. So I'm excited to break this down with you. We have a lot of super clear language and a super clear progression that is taking us to an extremely powerful place. But right away, I just want to teach in a very simple way where we're just going to walk through verse by verse through this passage, and we're going to talk about what Paul is saying and why he is saying it. So right back from the top, 9 and 10, let's read that again. We're really just diving in. We want to know exactly what the Word of God is saying. So let's read 9 and 10 once again. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see your face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So last week, Mike dove into a lot of the specifics about the relationship Paul had with the Thessalonians and the power of that long-distance relationship. And we see a lot of that here in the setup of our prayer. He says that they have brought him and the others that are with him joy, right? He is overjoyed to hear back that they are doing well, that they are sharing the gospel, that they are still following Jesus. Remember, he wanted to be and go with them, but he was told that, or we learned last week that Satan blocked him from going there. Mike talked about that. I'm not going back into that. Um, But for Paul, he was not able to go to them. But he finally gets this information back that they are doing well, that they are self-sustaining and spreading the gospel. So he says, this brings me so much joy. I remember a couple years ago, I was working at a church down west of the city. So it was like an interim. So I was working there for the summer while they were looking for a full-time youth pastor. And and one of the things that I was able to do was mentor this middle school student. So he like, he was like attached, right? He hung out with me all the time. We were always hanging out, always um, studying, always doing youth group stuff. Um, It was amazing. But I had to leave at the end of the summer, and it was so hard to do because I knew that this student had been struggling a lot. He was a really successful athlete. He had girls texting him all the time, and he was like, I need help. He was like struggling with that. And it was really hard for me to leave not knowing what was going to happen because I knew that we'd be separated. And about last year, I actually got a text from him, and he was like, asked me a super deep like theological question about like self-defense. We're not getting into that. But um, 
it was just so, I felt so much joy, like regardless of what the question is, just to hear, and as I talked to him more, to hear that he still loves God, that he's still following Jesus, that he's still asking these hard questions where I have to be like, let me think about that for a minute, then I'll text you back. And it was amazing. And this is really similar to how Paul is feeling. He is overjoyed to hear back from them. And then Paul says that they pray for them night and day. And then, this is the interesting part, he says he wants to supply what is lacking in their faith. He says, what is lacking in your faith? And that's a very interesting thing for Paul to say right after he says how overjoyed and thankful he is for them and for what they're doing. Like, what could possibly be wrong? What could possibly be lacking if this is the church that Paul loves, that he's devoted to, that he seems so impressed with? Well, in this prayer, we learn all about that. So we're going to jump into that. And as we look at this next part, these are kind of those key verses that we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning in. So we're going to read 11, 12, and 13 and look at this really interesting progression that Paul is setting up that is leading them um, to God. So we'll read this together and then look at it. 11, 12, 13. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his Saints. So there's a lot, but we're going to look at this in a couple of different ways. And I just want to start off by clarifying the way that Paul sees things. Okay, because you see, Paul is praying in a very specific way, which makes it really fun to look at this progression, right? He's very purposeful in the things that he's saying. So right away, he says a couple things. He says, may our God clear the way for us. So he's asking God to be the one doing it, right? May our God clear the way. So Paul knows who is in charge, right? He knows that God is in charge. And he also knows that we are broken human beings who need God to move in order to do good and in order to accomplish his purposes. So this theme continues throughout the whole passage. He says after that, he says, may the Lord make. It says, may the Lord make your love increase. And that key part is may the Lord make. How does our love as Christians, how does that increase? Does it do that by, by reading really good books, by doing good things? No, it, it increases by God increasing our love. It says he is the one who makes that happen. He is the one who does it. It is not by our power, but it is by God and his power. And once again, a couple of verses later, we see the same thing. He says, strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless in holiness. But if you look closer, he once again says, may he strengthen your hearts. May he. Once again, God is the one making this happen. You guys want to see some super cute pictures here? So 
Uh, this is a picture, here we go, Oh, yep, of my sons, Charlie and Liam. Charlie is two years old, Liam is three months old, and Charlie and Liam, they need to eat every single morning, like all of us, in order to stay alive. So do Charlie and Liam get up every single day, climb out of the crib, walk down the, walk down the uh, hallway, and make themselves eggs and bacon? No, they don't, because they are little kids and they're not able to do that for themselves. So they need their father, or I guess uh, Liam's still breastfeeding, so their mother, right? Um, to make them food in order that they can thrive and that they can keep living. And this is that extraordinary picture that we see in Paul's prayer. Because we're told to love one another, to strengthen our hearts, to be made holy, to be blameless. But just like my sons, Charlie and Liam, we can't do it. We literally can't, but God can. And Paul is saying that God will give you the power to do these things, that God will make these things happen, that God is the one who is working in you. So when you as a Christian, when you are having a hard time loving others, God will help you love. When you feel like giving up, God will keep you going. When you feel like turning bitter, God will fill you with grace. Why? Because we are sinful people who have dead hearts without God. But God, when we were dead in our sins, God sent his one and only son to die for us. And we as Christians, we are saved not because of anything that we have ever done or will ever do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And this keeps going into what it means to be a Christian, right? We love because he loved us. We forgive because he forgave us. And he gives us that power to show that to other people. There have been so many times in my life where I've struggled so much with a conflict or with someone who is really hard to love, and I had to pray that God would give me love because I knew it couldn't come from me, that he would give me love that I could show them. And he does because the love that I need could never come from me. It has to come from God. So yes, Paul is telling them some things that they are lacking, but the encouraging thing about it is that he is praying that God would be the one who does it, right? That God would make them love, that God would make them blameless and holy, that God would help them to follow Jesus, not by their own power, but God, by God's power. Because guys, God wants to use you and he wants to give you the love that you need in order to love others. And that love does not come from us. It only comes from him. Right? Lately in my life, I've been really focused on trying to have good rhythms, good routines. I'm trying to get up early at the same time every day. I'm trying to go on a run as much as possible. I'm trying to have consistent devotional habits. And often I tell myself, I tell myself, I will be a much better person if I can just do these 10 things in the right order. And yes, those things obviously can help our brains and our bodies and things like that. 
But the secret sauce, you could say, that we are looking for to help us to love people, to be content, to have joy, to be holy, that can only come from God himself. Not from me or anything that I could ever do or any of my good works, none of it. Because only Jesus is the one who has lived this perfect life. And this is something that God has given us by grace. So I need you to hear that um, just to set it all up. Because this is an extremely important thing to establish any time in the Bible we're being told to become something or being told to start doing something. We have to establish that our salvation and even our success is not based on anything that we do, but it is based on what God has done for us and for what God continues to do in us. So going back to those couple of verses, Paul is saying that God needs to move because of what they are lacking. So we're going to dive into more of what he says they're lacking. Like I said, we see three big things that come up as Paul is talking about this. We see love, we see holiness, and then we see hope. So let's read this one more time as we tackle these three things. I told you we're reading it a lot because this is God's word and we need to know what it means. Let's read it. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. So this is what he is saying is lacking in their faith. He says, what is lacking? He says that God needs to make them increase and abound in love for one another and for all. So love, right? They are told that they need to increase their love. So as we're just looking at the sentence structure and how this is set up, just just look at these words, right? Why do they need to increase their love? Well, in the next verse, it says two words. It says, so that, meaning increase your love, so that, he says, he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness, So we're going to look at what holiness more so means specifically, but Paul is saying here, hey, you need to have hearts that are blameless and holy. How do you have a heart that is blameless and holy? By increasing and abounding in love for each other and for all. And why should we become holy? By at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. We should do these things because Jesus is coming back. So essentially the prayer that Paul has for them is this. It says, you are lacking. You need to love each other and love all, which will increase your holiness. Because Jesus is coming back and we want to be godly people when he returns. And now that we've established what that's about, let's do the one, two, three, right? Love, holiness, and hope. The three big things that Paul has presented 
to them. And we're going to start with love. So Paul tells them that the way to establish your hearts in holiness is to increase your love for each other and for all. Which essentially he's saying that an increase in love is an increase in holiness. And the thing about the way Paul says that that I find so powerful is he says to increase their love in a two-part way. And I think he did this in a two-part way because I think that Paul knows church people, even though this was like right when the church started. So what does Paul tell them? He says, love each other, right? Okay, so when you as a person, you're all people, think inward right now. When you hear love each other, who do you think of? Well, for me, I, I think of my family, right? Or I think of my friends or my city group or the people that are close to me. And I can do that. I can. I can love those people. It's not that hard. And we all know, and we probably all have been at some point, those people who can be clicky people. Like, let me just say, I hate clicks, right? I think we all do. I've seen them personally destroy churches, and it can be so easy to hear love each other and just apply that to your boys or your girls, right? And look even more inward at maybe like the four people who are my best friends. I can love them more. I can increase that love. Well, at the same time, we might be leaving out and hurting those who are outside of our inner circles. And I know most of you aren't like that. But the phrase, love one another, can sometimes lead to a very specific rationalizing that we do in our brains. And I think when Paul says, love one another, he, he's talking about that, but he's also just talking to them as a church, right? Like, love those in the body, love one another, speaking to the church. But I also love what he says in that second part, right? He could have ended it at have love for each other. But he says, have love for one another, second part, and for all. <laughs> love your church, yes. Love your friends, yes. Love your neighbors, yes. Love your family, yes. And love everyone. <laughs> love everybody, always. Because Christians often have their little groups that they like to spend time with, right? You can figure out what a church cares about by what ministries they prioritize. You can figure out what they don't care about by what they don't prioritize. But Paul says that we are to love all. We as Christians, we live different. We love different, right? We don't prioritize people based on things like gender, like race, like sexuality, like social status, like financial status, like you're homeless or you're not homeless, or you have an addiction or you don't. We don't love people based on those things because we as Christians are called to love all. And we're not just called to do it, but we're told that that is the thing that will make us increase in holiness. And when we love everybody, we become more like Jesus, right? 
because that is what Jesus did. He loved everybody. He offered himself up to everyone. You all know John 3:16, so let's read it, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever whoever <laughs> that's everyone believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gospel is a powerful message that God sent his only son as the perfect sacrifice for our sins in order to save his people who he loves. There's also this story in the gospels of like the thief on the cross. If you've never read that, I really encourage you to do that. It's amazing. Another thing that Jesus said about the people that follow him in the book of John, he said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when the love that we have for each other and for all increases, our hearts become more holy. Right? And remember, this is only happening not because of anything that we're doing, but because God is the one working. He is the one who is changing our hearts. So we have this really powerful love focus. But then we have this shift into this focus on holiness. So Paul wants the Thessalonians to become blameless in holiness as they love people. But what does it really mean to be blameless in holiness? Because you see, the word holy is a hard word to define, right? The word holy is a word that people often don't use unless they put like a word after it, you know? Um, but if we want Christianity to be something that anyone can understand, we need to be able to explain what these seemingly religious words mean. And we need to understand them ourselves because they are super important to understanding the way that God intended us to live. So let's imagine something together, okay? When you think of someone who is holy, who do you think of? Let me just paint a picture of a man right now, okay? So I want you to imagine in your brain, close your eyes if you want to, an older gentleman, okay? Maybe you're an older gentleman. Imagine yourself. Go for it. So every morning, right at six, not later, not earlier, he gets out of bed. He makes his coffee, and he spends half an hour reading his Bible. Then, transition, prayer for half an hour. He then heads out to church where he has been to the same church every single Sunday for the past 17 years. He doesn't get sick, okay. He sings in the church choir. He makes the church coffee. He knows exactly how many scoops to put in that, so it's not too weak, not too strong. He knows everyone in his congregation by name. Good morning, Kelsey. Good morning, Amy. He knows everybody. He never watches inappropriate TV shows or movies, and he only listens to Christian radio. He even gives them money when they do their big fundraiser. Crazy stuff. 
So this is a man that a lot of people would look at and they would think, this is a holy man. This is a man of God. But, but is he a man of God? Or is he a man of habits? <laughs> a man of rhythm? You see, the thing about holiness is that holiness is not something that is based on outward actions. Holiness is based on the inward, right? It is based on our hearts. And when we're speaking about and when we're defining holiness, the two words that are often used are the words set apart, set apart. One commentary said something like, we are set apart from the world and set apart to God. Set apart from the world and then set apart to God. And I think this is a pretty simple and easy to understand in uh, illustration. Because when I think of something that is set apart, I think of separate. So here's another picture. Having kids gives you a lot of illustrations, let me tell you. So we have a lot of cars and trains in our house right now. Sorry, I'm supposed to call trains choo-choos. That's what Charlie calls them. So, so Charlie's very particular as a two-year-old, and Charlie cannot have his toys mixing, right? He has a very specific system. The cars, they go downstairs in the living room, and the choo-choos go upstairs in Charlie's room. So if I am separating, if I am setting apart the choo-choos, I'm going to remove them from the cars. I'm not just going to throw them somewhere, but I'm going to put them somewhere else. I'm going to put them somewhere specific. And I think this is such a good way to define holiness. You are set apart from the world, right? You do not do what everyone else does. You do not watch what everyone else watches. You do not talk like everyone else talks. You do not devote and obsess over what everyone else does. And like the passage says, we, we don't love like everyone else does. We love more. But the tricky thing about all of this is if you just avoid the things that the world does, does that make you holy? No. Because why are you avoiding things? Is it so that you will feel like a good person? Or that you will check your religious boxes? Great work. What is the purpose? Right? That's why I really like this, this definition saying we're set apart from the world and set apart to God. So like I said, I am taking the choo-choos and putting them in a very specific place. Upstairs in Charlie's room where the choo-choos go. And as Christians, we are setting ourselves apart from the world, but placing ourselves in a very specific place next to God, right? So what does that look like practically to place yourself next to God. Well, I just like to say it like this. To become holy is to become like 
Jesus. So do you want to know what it looks like to be a human being who is holy? Who placed himself specifically next to God? Well, if you do, I want you to read four books. Okay, homework time. It's called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels. Talk about the life of Jesus. Because the life of Jesus is our roadmap to what it looks like to be a holy person. And it shifts everything, right? So when we say things like, how do I become more holy today? Or how do I become a godly person today? The real question that we're asking should actually be, how can I look more like Jesus today? Because Jesus is our example of what it means to live on this earth in a state of holiness. So ask yourself, right? In what ways is God revealing in me places where I need to be more like Jesus? In Christian circles, we often use the term sanctification, right? God is making us more like Jesus. And if you remember the progression of that prayer, Paul is saying, you are lacking, so love others, so that you will increase in in holy and blameless. So am I holy because I don't watch rated R movies? Or I don't swear much? (laughs) No. I am holy when I love others because Jesus first loved them. And you have this mental shift, right? From from, I have to love these people so that God will see me as holy. Instead of that, it's my Lord loves these people. So I must love them too because I want to be like my Lord. So we have that huge focus on holiness, right? And then the last verse of this prayer It says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. So like I said at the beginning, we have love, holiness, and hope. And that last part is hope. Because our hope as people that follow Jesus is in the return of Jesus. Jesus is coming back, which is extremely good news. We've been talking about that through our series, how good of news it is. And Paul is essentially saying, hey, I want you guys to be holy for when Jesus comes back, right? I want you guys to work on what you are lacking by loving others. And I want you to do that because hope is coming, because Jesus is coming back, So with that, once again, we can twist that because we make it about our our works, right? So is Jesus going to come back and tell Christians, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough? Ooh, four months without missing church? Dang, okay. No, he isn't going to do that. We are told in Ephesians 2 that it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And we're told that this is not your own doing, but that it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
But like we said before, we as followers of Jesus, we want to look like Jesus and love like Jesus as we eagerly wait for him to come back again. So, so that's kind of like the end game, right? So famous Avengers line from Avengers Endgame, we are in the end game now. Jesus has died and resurrected. He has saved us and he is coming back again. And when he comes, I don't want Jesus to come and see a bunch of people that look perfect. Hey, you look perfect. I want Jesus to see a bunch of people that look like him, that look like Jesus and pursue holiness. So we had love, holiness, and hope. And as we start to wrap this up, I just want to end with some points of application for us that will help us practically. So what can you do this week to live out the word of God that we looked at during service on Sunday? So there's three things come to mind of things that you can do that I'm asking you to do this week. Number one, you can ask God to reveal to you what you are lacking. Right? So here Paul is telling them what they're lacking. That they need to love each other and love all in order to increase in holiness. And I think that all of us need to ask God that question as well. No, I'm not giving you permission to tell others what they're lacking, right? Like, don't turn to your neighbor and say, you, sir, are lacking deodorant. Don't do that. Because we know that Paul's relationship with the Thessalonians was so strong that he was able to speak those extremely hard truths to them because he loved them. And we do have people in our lives where we need to speak those truths and remind them of what they need to work on to pursue holiness. But today, let's just start with this prayer. Okay, let's just ask God, Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be holy. So please reveal to me the areas where I need to continue to submit to you and model that area of my life after Jesus. And these can be really hard prayers to pray, but they can be the most powerful prayers to pray. So ask God to reveal what you are lacking. Number two, love others and love all. In what ways can you continue or start to love people like Jesus does? Remember we talked about how, how often it is the people outside of the church community who can be easy to avoid or easy to withhold love from. I know for me it can be hard to love people that are from such a different lifestyle from me. And often it's just because I don't understand because I don't try to understand but if I would take that time to understand, I would start to love. And this is the type of love that Jesus is calling us to, to love everyone as he loved us. So how can you this week love the people that are often hard for you to love? How can we love others and love all? And then number three, how are you preparing for the coming of Jesus? How are you living set apart? 
Just take some time this week and think about the fact that Jesus could come back any day. Right? What do you want him to see in you when he returns? And like I said, we need to always be careful not to make this about works or the things that we do. But we are told to be blameless in holiness at the coming of Jesus. So these are important things to think about. Do you want Jesus to come up to you and say, wow, you always read your Bible? Or do you want Jesus to say, wow, you loved those who the world never loved, those who I love? I want to hear the last one. Now, as we wrap up, holiness is something that can feel impossible and unattainable. And in a lot of ways, that's the point. Because that's why we need Jesus. Because he is the holy, spotless lamb who died for our sins and who saves us. But we are also told that God will increase our holiness. And we are told that this happens when our love for others increases. So I want you guys to go out to love others, to be set apart from the world and set apart to God. Be like Jesus and then trust God that he is the one who will change your heart and who will make you love others. He's got this. So I thank you guys so much for digging into the word this morning and I'm gonna pray us out. Um, as we continue into some other opportunities. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that your word is powerful. Lord, I pray that you would meet us in a special way this morning. God, would you help us to increase and abound in love so that we would be blameless in holiness for your return, God. Lord, you are coming back, and it's something we so often forget about or don't think about or don't take seriously. Lord, I pray that you would make that a reality for us, the fact that you are coming again, God, and that we have an opportunity to live our lives in a way that reflects you and the love that you have shown God, I pray that you have met us in a special way. Lord, if anyone here has never fully understood or accepted the gospel this morning, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to them and reassure them that they are loved, that they are not alone, and that you died for them. So God, I thank you for this morning, and I pray that you would help us to continue to believe your gospel and obey you as we go out from here. In your son's Jesus' name, amen.